We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. And joining me again this evening to break down the 49ers matchup against the Eagles for, I think, is the third consecutive week in revolt to the powers that be, your should-be co-host... But greed exists. Kyle Posey, how are you this week, dude? Start charging you, man. Three in a row. Start I know, man. It's men voices. I know. I might just might just have to shuffle you some under the table and like <laughs> you know, so the so the people don't know. But hey, your name's still on the artwork, man. Appreciate it. Um, I'm good. It's uh, it's cool that we still get to talk about a football team that's playing. Um, it is unbelievable, dude. It's crazy. Are we taking this for granted? Because this was this supposed to happen? Probably. Was this supposed to happen under these circumstances? Hell no. Um, so I think right. we are taking it for granted. Uh, I think so for sure. I was looking at uh, an article on NFL.com by uh, Cynthia Freundlein. You know, she does the next gen stats slash mathematics stuff. And, um, and it listed the 49ers as, you know, it, 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 that was the first time I'd see the, seen the 49ers record as it currently is at 15 and four. And I was just looking at it. I'm like, and their odds to win the Super Bowl are not that far behind the Chiefs. The Chiefs are plus 270 and the 49ers are plus 330. Um, and the Chiefs have the best odds. And I'm just looking at it and I'm like, dude, like, how did we get here through this entire season? We're on, they're on their third quarterback and, Yet they're still here. It just makes no logical sense based on everything I've seen in the NFL in my existence. Like, it's just wild. Yeah. And last week, so you would think the reason the 49ers scored 19 points was because of poor quarterback play. But I think they just ran into a good defense that was ready to play against them. And it wasn't as if, you know, sure, the 49ers made some mistakes like in the red zone and could have scored, but like, you wouldn't. It didn't feel like Purdy was holding them back, I guess is what I'd say. No, I would say – I would actually say that – I wouldn't say it was outstanding quarterback play. It's not like he he brought himself in the offense up and above the Dallas defense, but I would say for a quarterback that young in that position to maneuver a minefield that is Dallas's defense under constant pressure, I think the dude was pressured on like 40-something percent of dropbacks. Like It was for close him to, to – yeah. For him to maneuver that and still never turn over the ball, that to me is pretty unbelievable. There are great NFL seasoned veteran quarterbacks that couldn't accomplish that in yeah, the playoffs. I felt, like, I felt like he played better than he did against Seattle. I, I know that, sure, the numbers might not reflect that, but it seemed like he was in, in more control 
Right. And and not to mention the fact that it seemed like he kicked it into him and the rest of the offense, kicked it into another gear in the second half and pretty much put that game away in, in, in what putting that game away looked like in that game. It's not like they, they hit him with, with 24 points in the second half, but it, the way they were running the ball and the throws he was making, I mean, it was a two-minute drill, and the first play was a pass play. You're like, damn, okay. They really just – Yeah. Yeah, they just were all about it. Yeah, he found Kittle a couple times, and that's not a bad option, right? When you have good players all over the place, it's going to be tough to match up one-on-one with all of them. And sure enough, Kittle was just a mismatch last week. So I thought even that one, that one-hander, that was – pretty much Purdy extending the play and um, just buying time. So he's been consistent with that. Hopefully he was ineligible. (laughs) So stupid. He tripped him. God. Um, Eagles. Eagles. You know what though? When you mentioned George Kittle and and somebody went back and found the video I posted uh, when they lost the Super Bowl. And it was that that you know that clip everybody's seen of George Kittle talking to himself, and I'm just like, I was thinking about it again. I'm like, dude, for that guy to be on the sidelines watching the Super Bowl go by by losing it, and for him to think to say those things, like in that moment, everything about you just wants to be heartbroken. And he's just, what he can think to say, and he probably he is obviously, but it's like for him to think to say like, I'm gonna be back here, I'm gonna be back here with a vengeance. You will not get the best of me, like. That's a different type of human. To me, that's like a super small window into how professional athletes think. Like, in that moment to have that mindset, like, that blows my mind. Like, he's just like, nope, I will be back here. They are not wired the same way that we are. Um, no. They think about everything that they have to do. They're, they're essential gladiators, but the workout schedule, like the whole regimen that they have to go through daily, it is pretty wild. So when you when you talk about that, when you when you say or when you see Kittle at the end of the game, at the end of not just any game, the game, and all I can think of is like, I'm gonna be back. Yeah, that you have to be I mean we people have talked about it or um like the Michael Jordan part of being a site like to get to that level, you probably have to have a little bit of psycho in you and you, you can see that's the case with a lot of these elite athletes. Well, yeah, and Michael Jordan just making up insults just to get him <laughs> like just to get himself to that other level. That is some next level stuff right there. That is like being able to create your own reality that turns you into a uh, a more driven person. That's pretty unbelievable. But all right, so yeah, you said it, Eagles. What's your uh, what's your read, man? Like just spitting from the top, like. Not on any specific subject yet. We'll get there, obviously. But what I mean, what are just your overall thoughts of what the 49ers are walking into? So, this is the best team that they have faced all season. Um, the Chiefs have the best player that they faced all season, but I think the Eagles are just more complete. I've had a tough time with Philly, though, and I don't know how much of that has been to injuries just because. You know, obviously Jalen Hurts, but I think the injury to Lane Johnson was was a big one as well. So they haven't had any problems scoring points. The one time they did was against the Saints, and that was, you know, without Jalen Hurts. But I'm just – I'm not sure how great they are. Obvious good team. You don't get to the NFC Championship by fluke. Um, the Eagles do a lot of things well. But how much is that due to the lack of resistance they faced on offense? How much is that due to just them having better players than everybody else? A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders. Um, the offensive line is out of control. And then on the other side of the ball, I don't I, – I, I just struggle with him. I know that, you know, they have the sacks, you know, they have the players in the secondary to get after you, but – I just feel like there's there's something to be desired when you watch something left to be desired. And I feel like the 49ers should have success on both sides of the ball. How much is the question? And how much will they need to to win? I guess is probably the real question. So it'll be a fun, a fun game, fun matchup, even to talk about, to discuss, just because there are so many styles that it's like strength on strength in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, it's it's really similar to the Cowboys in a way. You know, like I, I guess it's it's rare for a team to be at this point in the season that would have a glaring problem. You know, like Chiefs, Bengals, Eagles, and 49ers. I would say the Eagles and the 49ers are the more well-rounded teams. You know, Chiefs obviously have firepower, you know, and, and well, Mahomes-backed firepower. Uh, Bengals, same thing. Um, you know, they they have even, I would venture to say, even more fire, firepower on offense than the Chiefs have, and especially with the way Burroughs is playing. Um, but then you've got the Eagles and the 49ers who – Everything logically tells us the 49ers shouldn't be good right now. They shouldn't be one of the best offenses in the NFL right now, but they are, and they have been since Purdy took over, which is just, again, makes no real sense to my the way my brain was wired in regards to football. The Eagles are very much the same. I mean, when you look at all the DVOAs of these teams and how they stack up with each other, and it's just they're just neck and neck, and it's so hard to – find something to hang your hat on in terms of oh this is how they're going to beat them it's like i mean i have no idea what's going to work i have no idea what's going to not work uh, on both sides of the ball for both teams you know logic tells me that the eagles should be able to throw the ball but then you know you're talking about a 49ers defense is among the best in the league and they've got the most takeaways and it's like it's i just i have no it like i feel like almost like some type of critter that's been scared into a corner and just keeps walking back and forth. Like, <laughs> like looking at both sides of the corner, like where the hell do I go? It's just one of those weird matchups where it's so hard to find, like there's the weakness. This is how the Eagles are going to try to exploit the 49ers. This is how the 49ers are going to exploit the Eagles. They're just both such great teams. And then you look at like the Eagles are not that great against the run, but then you look at how they've been on the back half of the season against the run since they got some players in and you're like, damn, they've been pretty good. And it, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say, man. I could sit here and ramble on about all these little things, but it's just, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say, cause I have seen that float around as, you know, just a talking point that well, four nines will be able to run the ball because the Eagles can't stop the run. And, that's fan fiction. That is not true. The Eagles do indeed stop the run. I would actually say um, 49ers should have some success in both sides when it comes to throwing on them and um, being able to stop their pass. So you, you think A.J. Brown, you think Jalen Hurts, you think Devonta Smith. And sure, those are high-flying names, and they do get big plays. I think one of the first plays of the game, they had a long play to Devonta Smith. But – if you just go like down by down, they are closer to average. And some of the route – like I was watching the Giants, them against the Giants, uh, yeah, last night. And they do a lot of things that are like kind of remedial, kind of elementary in the passing game where there's like like high school routes, like mirrored routes on both sides. And th- that's – <laughs> Like that- Fresno, Fresno, cool, man. Post and then <laughs> with an <laughs> out. Or, yeah, both um, sides. I was watching and I, I I haven't really heard anybody mention that. So I was expecting to to come into an offense where, you know, they're running all kind of crazy stuff. And that's the reason Devonta Smith is getting open. Nope. He's just faster than everybody. And like, he's a very good player. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I don't think uh, their, their offensive coordinator is as good as he's being made out to. I think Jalen Hurts is very accurate down the field. And he pushes the ball and he takes care of the ball. And obviously his legs are a big deal, but I don't think that they're going to be able to out-scheme the 49ers, which is a big deal. And when D'Amico Ryans was talking at the podium today, he said, we're just going to have to make plays. And it makes a lot of sense after watching them. It's it's going to come down to, will Lenore be in position on a comeback on third and 12? Will Mooney Ward be able to time his jump on a deep ball against A.J. Brown? Because they are going to test both of those guys early and often. That's just how the Eagles are going to play. But I don't know, man. It's uh, I would say like the one thing that the where the Eagles can neutralize the 49ers and no other team can, in my opinion, anyways, like in the trenches, their offensive line is like insanely good, and 
they can go toe to toe with the 49ers up front. And, and there are not many, if any teams, like I think the lions could probably say that, but even the Eagles are probably a step up um, in class in terms of the lions offensive line. So that's, that's as good as it gets when we're talking about the offensive line versus defensive line. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, it's it's just, it just goes back and forth as far as like, you're looking at each individual matchup. Let's start with just, we'll just angle it to where we'll look at the 49ers defense versus the Eagles offense. Eagles offense, 49ers defense. Just to try, because again, if if I like, my mind will just wander in circles when I think about 49ers and Eagles on all the different matchups and who can beat who and who can do this. Um, in terms of like the base kind of DVOA, and remember, I've, I've explained DVOA to everybody here, but really it's all just kind of an average system. Like you're either above the average or below the average, and how far above the average are you? How far below the average are you? In terms of the Eagles' offense, in just overall, they're third, passing their ninth, and rushing their first. So I feel like the Eagles are closer to what the 49ers almost used to be, if that mm. makes sense. You know, like they were an, oh, they're an, a, a decent passing offense. I mean, ninth is not something to, to bat your eye at. But then they're excellent running the ball, and they commit to running the ball, and they run the ball a lot. They care, They ran the ball 44 times against the Giants. Now, if you're averaging 6.1 yards per carry, and the Giants look like they've never seen you before, uh, and even though so they've, you've, man. <laughs> they've played two times play. already, and they could not stop the same three to four plays concepts that the Eagles always run. They had. They looked like they had no idea what they were in for, and it was – really quite bizarre watching that game. It was it was very similar to what we saw when the Cowboys played the Bucks in their first round of the playoffs. It was just like you you wonder like what were you guys doing all week? Like now in, in the end it comes down to skill and execution, but so I mean the Eagles ran the ball ball 44 times against the 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 Giants for 268 yards and three scores. They average 6.1 yards a carry. That is what we think of the 49ers loving to do to people. You know, and then if you look at Jalen Hurts' stat line from that game, it was exactly what we'd expect from a 49ers quarterback. Exactly what we've come to expect from Jimmy Garoppolo. 16 of 24, um, you know, 66% for 154 yards and two scores. 
Jimmy Garoppolo, you'd throw an interception in there too. But it's like the Eagles, in terms of the way they like to play, are very much like of, of the 49ers offense of the last two years. And I think that's if the 49ers fans are looking for a way to characterize the Eagles offense in a way that makes sense to them. To me, that's what I would offer is like, just think of the, the, the 2022 49ers playing the 2019 49ers, you know, like they, they can throw the ball and they can't beat you through the air, but they would love to just run the ball all day long. And so that to me is one of the key matchups. Like you just talked about is can that Eagles offensive line do what they've done best against one of the best defensive lines in all of the NFL. Cause you look at the 49ers defense and total first against the pass, their fifth fifth and against the run their second. So it's like, sure. You can commit to running the ball, but there's a, there's a chance that it's not going to work and you're going to put yourself in position to have to throw against what is the NFL's fifth best per DVOA passing defense. So it's like, it just kind of backs you into a corner that you can't get out of, you know, and there it's not that we haven't seen the 49ers defense have success through the air. I mean, how do we even quantify like the Raiders game nowadays? It's a good question. You can't just throw it out the window, but at the same time, that was, it wasn't, that was an example of seeing the 49ers defense go against a unit that has, good players on the perimeter or great player on the perimeter in Devonta Adams, um, a mismatch in Darren Waller and a running back who's good one-on-one. That is exactly what the Eagles have. They have a mismatch. They have a perimeter weapon and they have a rock solid running back who can win one-on-one. So in that sense, like it's a good example, but I mean, there was a lot of fluke that happened then. And I, I, right. Watching um, the Eagles and the Giants, it didn't feel like the Eagles were, oh man, it's crazy to say this, knowing how successful they were on the ground. But I just didn't come away thinking this offense is going to run up and down the field against the 49ers defense. No, it was weird, man. It's like it's there's so many things that happen on a field that I'm not quite well-versed enough or just smart enough in the football world to – quantify in a way like to to look at something and say that's why right there but it's like you can watch football games and you can see the way on they unfold and you can look at them and go you like you know when a team just dominates somebody and you know when a game just is seems weird you know and that's the way the cowboys game looked against the bucks that's the way this game looked against the giants just something's off and sure enough you know i mentioned the raiders game as far as what the you know what happened in that game but if you look at what the 49ers faced in the Cowboys, it was very similar. Tony Pollard, although he got hurt, is, you know, an outstanding running back. Then you've got CeeDee Lamb, who's a perimeter weapon. And I would still uh, qualify Dalton Schultz as as not quite as much of a mismatch as like the Kittles and the and the and the the uh, Goddards and the you know Kelsey's, but he's a very good tight end and yet the 49ers defense just shut them down. Like if, if you exclude Ray Ray's little mishap, like they scored nine points, nine points. Like one of the best offenses in the NFL scored nine points. And that's, I, like, I just, and then you, you cross examine that with the Raiders and, and you're like, well, I mean, it's such a different game though. You know what I mean? I don't want to give that any more stock than I've already given it because it's, End of the regular season, you you know, trap game that they didn't that they you know fought their way out of, and you know whatever. I don't want to focus on that, but it's just so hard to know what this Eagles offense is going to be able to do against a defense they've never faced. Yeah, I mean, you talked about so I mean familiarity does matter, but the way that the game out played itself out to get nine points. The, what the 49ers defense was able to do, uh, how they took away the middle of the field because that's where they knew the, the Cowboys wanted to go with CeeDee Lamb. I thought that was incredibly impressive and probably the most impressive part about that game. They were using Talanoa Funga on one play to run down the middle of the field and take away CeeDee Lamb. They were using Dre Greenlaw on another series. They would use heavily rely on Fred Warner over the middle of the field. It was just 
Um, it was always right. it was always a curveball. There was always keeping Dak off off a guard, and I mean, again, it helps to be physical. And you know, sure enough, no Tony Pollard didn't hurt either. But I the way that they played in that game just has to give you a lot of confidence. And for again, that's when you say the Raiders, we we can't talk about a game like the Raiders and then ignore what they did in the second half against the Seahawks and what they did for four quarters against a, you know, a better, a better offense in the Cowboys. So um, I think matchup wise, it's, it's, it is a good matchup for the 49ers. And I know that's tough to say when you think about the weapons that they have, but speed is the ultimate um, asset defensively and the 49ers have a lot of that now the Giants linebackers were atrocious it was it was so bad to watch um they were running in the wrong gaps consistently like they were nowhere to be found so Miles Sanders is a great back one-on-one but a lot of times he didn't have to do anything and I was looking at some some of his stats 65 percent let me make sure that number is right it's either 60 it's between 62 and 65 of his um, rushing yards or before contact this season. He had 90. So oh, that is 65%. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is 65. So 837 of his 1,269 rushing yards have come before contact, according to pro football references uh, this year. That is nuts. And that just kind of tells you how well that they block. There's a lot of misdirection and stuff that they use with Jalen Hurts in the ground game. But um, I, the way that he's been able to get his yards, the way that he was able to get his yards last week, that is not an issue for the 49ers. Like they don't fall for – they don't take the cheese. They're not running with emotion. Uh, they stay in their gaps. They're not Jalen Smith of the Giants and running to the sideline when there's no reason to run that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not as worried um, as I feel like a lot of fans are. I, I mean, it's the unknown for the 49ers too, so – you see the box scores. You see the Eagles scoring all these points, and you wonder, well, the 49ers, they struggle against a big play. They can't stop mobile quarterbacks, but that's not true. Um, we talked about it before we get on here of how the 49ers have stacked up against mobile quarterbacks. So it, it hasn't happened a lot, and I think that's really what it is. But um, over the course of the season, the 49ers have actually been one of the better teams at defending mobile quarterbacks. Now, if let's just say that the 49ers are able to are able to hold it down against the uh, the Eagles running game. Now, one of the notes I have on here and and it very well could be completely incorrect, but it's just one of my thoughts is this game might come down to and you mentioned it earlier, Traverius Ward and Diamondor Lenoir. Like in the end, if the Eagles O-line is continues to play how we expect them to play, even against a great 49ers front. You know, we it's going to be fair to not expect their pass rush and their pressure to get home all the time. If they do, then you already know which way the game's going. I mean, if if the 49ers defensive line is consistently creating pressure and they're consistently getting after Jalen Hurts, then you can you can you can bet that it there there's a good chance they're going to win anyways because that's just a recipe for success just immediately. But let's say they can't, and the Eagles aren't running the ball that great. Can the 49ers secondary stack up against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? I mean, you're talking about two guys who just um, just between themselves have essentially 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns through the air, and that's not including – you know, Dallas Goddard. That's just between them two. And I would say that Charvarius Ward, I mean, I, I'm not going to indict him based on just a couple plays against DK Metcalf because he held his, you know, the first matchup, it seemed like Ward got the better of him. The second matchup, it seemed like Metcalf got the better of Ward. But uh, there's not like somebody to necessarily follow this round for, for Charvarius Ward. You know, you can – Pick your poison because I think Devontae Smith is every bit as good as A.J. Brown. Now, A.J. Brown's like their go-to in this offense, uh, just maybe slightly more. But I would be willing to bet just on just the way I saw the season unfold that maybe towards the back half of the season, Devontae Smith started to slowly 
and this is just based purely on feeling and watching the games, maybe absorb that role a little bit from Brown and at the very least become a, a 50-50 split as far as who the go-tos are. I mean, Devontae Smith had more catches. They weren't as huge of plays. Um, you know, A.J. Brown averaged a ridiculous 17 yards a catch, whereas Smith was 12.6. So you've got these two, in my opinion, wide receiver one type players. Can the 49ers just hold up to that? So since week eight, Devonta Smith had at least eight targets in every game but one. So that's wide receiver one material. And you talk about, you know, it might not have been big, big plays. It kind of reminds me of a little bit of how, you know, the Seahawks, a team that we're all familiar with, they kind of use it. So like DK is getting the big plays, DK is getting the highlights, but Tyler Lockett's getting the first downs. And that's what Devonta Smith is kind of doing. He's like the guy moving the chains, moving the sticks. That guy is just as, if not more dangerous, that Cooper Cup type is the type of wide receiver that kills the 49ers. It's not really – and, I mean, I go back and forth with this too, but I would rather face a DeAndre Hopkins than a Cooper Cup. I would rather face an A.J. Brown than a Devonta Smith, knowing that he's going to be moved around. And he has, I mean, in this sense, just a little more speed. Well, I guess a lot more speed, but – <laughs> um, yeah, Smith is is a tough matchup for the 49ers. I think Mooney Ward can be the type of guy, like he is the type of guy that is, at least can be competitive against AJ Brown. Yeah, it's that's the part, that's the only part of this equation that presents a serious problem to me. I think the 49ers defense will at the very least be able to go toe-to-toe with the Eagles' offense. And, I, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Eagles' offensive line won't have success, but I feel like, you know, that's a good matchup. There's no part of that matchup that I feel like somebody is at a severe disadvantage. But when it comes to those two receivers against the 49ers' two corners, that to me seems like the spot where it could get the most hairy. I mean, you're talking about big plays and points on the board. At the same time, Ward has proven that he's a solid corner. And Yamanor Lenore seems like he's on a little bit of an ascension. Just a little bit. You know, he's had two interceptions in the last two games, right? Yeah, and he's he's for sure ascending in the right direction. And, and that's probably what it's going to come down to. How uh, Lenore holds up down the field against um, Smith. Because the Cowboys, for whatever reason, only put CeeDee Lamb on the outside like it feels like under five times, which is terrible coaching. Um, the 49ers live to take away routes over the middle of the field, and they made life easy. I don't think that's going to be the same. I think we're going to see more of those. You remember like that, a double move where he runs a comeback or just some kind of perimeter route where you're just attacking Lenore, maybe in that 12 to 15-yard mark, and then eventually going up top. So this season, A.J. Brown set career highs in receiving yards and touchdowns on vertical routes. And Jalen Hurts throws down the middle, so like down the seams, um, almost half the time. So he's looking to push the ball down the field too. And we all know, again, the 49ers, they were struggling to stop vertical routes. I think they had one of – okay, they had the fifth most yards according to next-gen stats um, on vertical routes this season. So uh, those deep passes, that's probably where the game is going to be decided. So, again, as I said earlier, just like D'Amico said, if they can't make a play on those passes, they're going to be toast. But those are such low percentage throws that you can live with an offense relying on those 40-yard bombs because down to down, it is tough to run the 49ers defense. They do rally and tackle to the ball. So, you know, you can't pick up yards after the catch on the short passes. That's why they're able to get off the field. But people only remember the bombs, right? People are going to remember that 46-yard bomb that Lamb caught and not uh, the fact that they limit him outside of that play. Yeah, it's it, there. I, I I like to just say there's a reason you never, you know, unless you have Randy Moss on your team, there's there's a reason you never see teams win by just bomb after bomb after bomb. Like it just, yeah. it's not Madden, it's not a video game. And you don't have Randy Moss in his prime. All I'm thinking is that one stat line where he has three catches for like 170 yards and three touchdowns. Just like, <laughs> you know, it's just not realistic. But that being said, one play can completely change the trajectory of the game, the momentum of the game, the, the feel and everything. So it, in football, it's such a momentum-driven game that 
you want to limit those splash plays. And to me, that's where the 49ers defense is most vulnerable. And maybe they're not even that vulnerable there. But to me, if if the Eagles are going to uh, uh, land a, a serious punch against this unit, that's how they're going to do it. They're not going to break some huge run. Um, you know, it, it's going to be the fact that somebody, somebody got manhandled by those two receivers. But the 49ers seem like they know what they're doing in the fact that very rarely do they just give up these huge plays unless you've got someone like Devontae Adams just making one of the craziest catches you've ever seen or, you know, Traverius Ward getting his eyes lost a little bit in the backfield and letting DK Metcalf physically, you know, outmuscle him and run by him a little bit. So he just got a little distracted on that play, and that's all it takes. It's over. So it's to me, all right, but let's let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. I feel like, you know, I don't necessarily have a, a summary for what the 49ers need to do against the Eagles offense. They're good. They can beat you both ways. So it's just a matter of, obviously, I think if the 49ers had to choose, they would like to stop the run and force you to start throwing the ball. Because at the very least, that allows their defensive front to, to, uh, to narrow down what they need to do a little bit more. But on the flip side of things, I mean, I think, Think, oh no, no, that, that wasn't. You never mentioned your tweet. Did you want to mention your tweet? Because we talked about it. Talk, yeah. There, that's that's how we'll cap off this talk. Talk to me about that tweet you put out today. Did you make that chart about with all the opponent DVOAs? I did, and what I know just by watching them is like the Eagles. I mentioned at the top, their passing game leaves a lot to be desired, and yes, they're going to be able to move the ball, but they didn't really play anybody down the stretch and the only the one offense that they did were the saints and they scored 10 points and i know jalen hurts didn't play but they struggled to move the ball like Minshew was unplayable in that game but the saints did a lot of good things as well but outside of that saints game we're talking bottom of the barrel defenses the giants that they scored 38 they scored 22 they scored 48 but the giants are 29th in DVOA, 31st in EPA allowed, 26th in opponent success rate. The Bears, they scored 25 against, and they they were that was a close game um, going into middle of the third quarter, I would say. That game was one possession, I believe, and maybe even um, into the fourth quarter. I know that it was going back and forth before Hurts had a long run, but the Bears, 32nd, 32nd, 32nd. The Titans, 30th, 30th, 30th. So they're playing teams that offer little resistance. And with that in mind, the 49ers are the exact opposite. Like they are a team that is as tenacious as it gets and physical as it gets. I didn't get a chance to talk about the one area that I think the 49ers would should look to do. And that kind of goes against all logic. But Hurts, when he sees the opposite color flash, like most quarterbacks are affected. Actually, all quarterbacks are affected by pressure. So I'm not saying anything new here, but – when the opposite color flashes and it seems like there is going to be pressure, the illusion of pressure really messes with Hurts. He will flee that pocket. He is looking to get out of there. And when he does, his numbers dip big time. So his completion percentage outside the pocket is only 37%, and he's only averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. You could see it in the Giants game where there's a handful of opportunities where they had to you know, make Hurts move. And when he did, he just looked lost, and his decision-making goes down the drain. That's what I would look to do. I would actually look to make Hurts get out of the pocket. A lot easier said than done. And and, uh, I know that means you open up the threat of him running, but the 49ers have enough speed. And the Giants were were able to mostly corral Hurts when he was looking to scramble. So I know it sounds like rolling the dice, but that's where I would go defensively. Okay. Offensively, 49ers – total they're sixth passing their third rushing their 13th now as far as their numbers since party took over i believe they're near the top of, of every metric so it's it's a little different and obviously on the defensive side of things for the eagles you've got total sixth against the pass they're first and they've earned every bit of that and then against the rush they're 21st but again that's to me that's in the season as a whole. And then, you know, maybe you can, it's just, you know, and there's other things to that. And over the back half of the season, it seems like the, the Eagles have started their defense have been quite a bit more effective against the run. I don't necessarily have any splits since a certain week, 
But uh, um, you have that. I know you're, you're a big numbers guy. I am indeed a big numbers guy. So I use 13, week 13, for offense and defense. For offense, that's, you know, common sense. That's when Brock Purdy kind of took over. But I've been using it for defense, too, because that's when Eric Armstead came back. And we all know how important he is. But since week 13, the 49ers have been the best team in the NFL. Their total DVOA is about 25 percentage points higher than the next team. Are you serious? Um, yeah, they are. They've been world beaters since Purdy took over. They've been playing better football than they've ever played under Shanahan since week 13. I'm sure it's just a giant coincidence, right? Yeah, that makes total um, sense. <laughs> so offensively, they're first. Their passing offense is first. Their passing offense is better than the second place Lions by nine percentage points. They are fourth on the ground. So it's not like, you know, they're one-dimensional. I think that is important, though, knowing that the Eagles, they are 13th against the run in that same period of time. And, yes, they signed a couple of veterans down the stretch here, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to contribute in the manner that the 49ers are going to deploy their offense. So the Eagles struggle to stop outside zone runs when they're getting outside the tackle box. What kind of run do the 49ers do? Yes. <laughs> yes, what they're looking to do with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Right. Um, yeah, and then obviously Elijah Mitchell's a talented um, off-tackle runner too. So Worth that, mentioning that'll be they're on the injury report though. Yes, let's, let's just go there. Um, watching last week, I thought it was pretty telling of how the 49ers used Christian McCaffrey. He was their guy. But he was only their guy when it came to throwing the ball on third and short. So, like, on, on if it was third and five or less, they were going to look for number 23. But even in those situations, Kyle Shannon usually just turns the ball and hands, um, turns around the ball, turns around and hands him the ball. He was out as a wide receiver. He was being used in motion. Sometimes he was just a decoy to get other guys involved in the ball. So, to me, the he – Christian McCaffrey wasn't as fast as I've usually seen him run. He was still fast. I want to be very clear when I say that. Um, he is still going to be faster than the majority of players on the field, but he didn't have that same kind of burst, the same kind of juice. And you could tell that he was hurt. So when they came out afterward and said, you know, Christian McCaffrey has a calf contusion, Christian McCaffrey, we don't, he's not, he's going to be day to day. It makes sense to not let him practice all week off. I'd imagine rest is going to be the one thing that keeps him um, keeps him getting healthier and healthier. But the same thing is for Elijah Mitchell, who has a groin injury. I don't know when he got hurt. I, why is this, you know, forever happening to that guy? He has the worst luck ever, man. Because um, when, when he's and on, he's the not field, a small guy or a slight guy. No, you know? he's not, and he does run very freaking hard. Maybe that has something to do with it. But this is a groin, so I don't know. But anyway. They need both of those guys to be healthy. That goes without saying. Um, there is the fallback option of number 19, but the 49ers are diverse. They're at their best when they can be diverse. When You can line up Debo anywhere and everywhere. You can line up McCaffrey anywhere and everywhere. So whew, we will see. I would imagine, though, I mean, Chris McCaffrey said himself that he's going to play. Yeah, his what, – what did he – what was the question? What – is there is there a is there a chance that you, or what's the chance that you don't play on Sunday? <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Kyle's like, come on, man. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to play games. Yeah, I'm trying to mess with them. Yeah, I'm more I, there, Kyle. I know. I know. So, 49ers offense against the Eagles defense. I mean, there seems to be at least some shred of vulnerability on the ground. But that being said. What did you say? Where, how did you say the 49ers rushing offense has been since Brock Purdy coming over? Are they first in that too? No, they are struggling. They're fourth. So, str struggling out of 32 <laughs> teams. But I guess, I mean, there has been an element of the 49ers run game that just hasn't been as impressive this year at spurts. I see there's definitely been moments where it looks great. Probably has a little bit to do with the fact that the 49ers are deploying a Rookie seventh round draft pick at quarterback and teams are basically saying, okay, let's just make this rookie do what he's been doing. If he's going to do anything, let's make him throw. 
and let's just stop the run. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if literally every single team the 49ers have faced since Brock Purdy took over has had the game plan of stopping the run to their best of abilities, and then we'll see what Brock Purdy can do, and Brock Purdy has has done. So um, I would venture to, to say that could be a very surface-level reason as to why the 49ers rushing offense hasn't quite been as impressive. But I think now at this point, maybe it's not quite so obvious. You know, you're looking at how Purdy has developed with George Kittle. You're looking at how Purdy's developed with Brandon Ayuk. I mean, since Purdy's took over, it seems like Brandon Ayuk is averaging like 20 plus yards a catch. Like the dude just keeps finding him over the middle on those deep crossers over and over like clockwork. And it's getting a little harder to predict what the solution is to stopping what you said is by far and away the NFL's best offense. It's still weird to say it. Can't get used to it since Purdy took over. So if there's one area where the Eagles, I mean, it's impossible. There's multiple areas. I mean, when you're talking about the Eagles defensive front, they have per next gen stats. They've got five players with over 35 pressures each. They have 54 sacks when they're rushing four guys or fewer, which is unreal. (laughs) They lead the NFL in stats. It does. It's like, it's weird. That's like, that's like Alden Smith, Justin Smith type stuff right there. And then, you know, you've got, it's like when, if I go to their, their defensive front, let me, let me come down here. You got Hassan Reddick, 16 sacks. Uh, Javon Hargrave, a defensive tackle with 11 sacks. Josh Sweat, 11 sacks. Brandon Graham, 11 sacks. Fletcher Cox, seven sacks. It's like these dudes are coming at you with everything they got. And it is, to me, one of the, the deciding points of this game is can the 49ers offense hold off that type of an assault, which is it, it, just looking at that lends a little bit of credence to this is why they're not that great against the run is when, and and, and what Kyle Shanahan is going to try to do is run out of obvious passing, not necessarily situations, but he's going to want, I mean, nobody motions more than the 49ers. So that dude is, I can guarantee you is going to do his absolute best to give you a passing look. And then all of a sudden the 49ers are running the ball. And it's I, I'm no I'm no mastermind I'm no no magician with with the, the stuff but when you look at that you're like we cannot get put in a situation where he ha- we have to pass a lot because those dudes would love for that to be the case and uh, I'm not sure man I mean do you think the 49ers offensive line is going to finally I'm saying finally let the floodgates through but I mean. Purdy was under all kinds of pressure against Dallas, and he still found a way. Yeah, I think we're just going to see, you know, more runs as – or sorry, more throws as an extension of the running game, so maybe more screens, more quick passes. Um, It's it's Kyle Shanahan still, so, like, they're not going to struggle to move the ball. And we've seen him do it with far worse players, far – an offensive line that's nowhere near as good. So, I – I actually think this is where they're going to – I would say the defense is going to win them the game, and on offense, they just need to keep pace, right? They just need to get out of their own way. It can't be a game where they're shooting themselves in the foot in the red zone. It can't be a game where it's second and 10 or it's second and 20 because you had a penalty. The drops can't be a thing. So it can't be one of those where a bunch of negative plays add up. Purdy did a phenomenal job last week of avoiding that negative play, of not turning the ball over because – Young quarterbacks, when they're under pressure, what do they do? They're going to make a dumb mistake, and they're probably going to put the ball in harm's way, and that was not an issue last week. So I thought that was pretty cool um, to see kind of the maturation of Brock Purdy. But when it comes to the Eagles, um, this is why you get a guy like Christian McCaffrey. This is why you pay Debo Samuel. This is why you pay George Kittle so you can go. um, So these guys can make um, essentially just their one-on-one plays, right? So – who has the better one-on-one players? And that's what we're going to see um, Sunday. That's what it's going to more than likely come down to. 
not as as alien of an atmosphere as I think Purdy. W- nothing he hasn't seen. You know, Purdy went great for him. Right, he went into Seattle and won in Seattle. And it doesn't matter when you're walking in there. That is a very hard place to play. And it was a primetime matchup in the evening. They're going. They're playing as weird as it is. They're playing in Philadelphia during the afternoon on a very on a day that's expected to be very normal in terms of weather wise. Not too far off of what they've been encountering lately in the Bay Area. There, last I checked, there was no rain in the forecast. Um, do they play in Phil- like the actual Philly, the the city? Uh, yeah, it's. In Philadelphia, I think – I haven't looked in a while, but as of last week, the weather was supposed to be 48 and dry. Um, right. Couldn't ask for better temps, right? Right now, Apple weather is acting like it's never heard of a city named Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? I've typed in P-H-I-L – I don't know. Maybe it's my internet just being done. looks like – so around 50 degrees at kickoff. Okay, there's multiple Philadelphias. Anyways, that's and that to me is so. It, it, as far as X factors goes, things you're not expecting, things that can get weird. It's just straight up a matchup in in hostile territory. On by all you know, everything else being normal football conditions. So it really will more than ever come down to execution and coaching. You know, it's in it, it, as. Uh, it's crazy to me. It's not crazy, but it's like you think that everything comes down to just talent. And when it comes to an individual play and an individual moment where you're matched up against your guy and you've got to find a way to beat him at any position, that's true. But it seems like as the NFL progresses, it becomes more and more about coaching and scheme and who can uh, get the better of the other the other opponent and I don't know. Do you get that same kind of impression? Yeah, and and that's where I keep coming back to the 49ers coaches because if it's going to be even, they're probably going to – It's it, then it's going to come down to which coach puts their players in the most advantageous situations to excel, to succeed. And I've seen D'Amico Ryans do that for a talent of I've seen him do that for guys like Charles Aminihu, Samson Ebicom, and then obviously on the other side of the ball, Shanahan's going to ensure that a guy like Debo is one-on-one on second and long. Maybe um, he's going to have to manipulate some coverages. But when I see the Eagles, they do what they do, and they're a young staff. Like Nick Sirianni has you know some second- or third-year coordinators, whereas Ryan's is still early, but he's been around. And then Shanahan's done this dance time and time again. So I – I'm leaning strongly toward um, the 49ers. And I know that sounds, you know, we're on a 49ers podcast and it sounds homerish, but I'm not seeing the get this game play out in the way that I'm hearing it being talked about, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Right. Right. Now, one thing, I believe it was Akash who tweeted something to the effect of, in terms of 49ers offense versus Eagles defense, that the Eagles are pretty much the absolute best secondary in the NFL in terms of DVOA, but against motion, they were like 20 something. If, if I'm not mistaken, which seems like there probably is some context that would also need to be included in there. But in terms of (laughs) not having a lot of success against the team that motions that, I mean, this is the 49ers. They basically run laps before the snap. So, I mean, that at least has to bode well if it, if it really does – if it really is that simple, right? I mean, the strengths that are the Eagles, their running game. Um, look, we talked about the running game earlier. So the 49ers on all inside runs. The Eagles are a predominant inside zone running team. And all, on all inside runs, 179 attempts this year, 49ers allowed 2.8 yards per carry. Um, only 32 of those went for first downs but 19 of those ended up as tackles for loss. They allowed the lowest EPA per, per rush on inside zone runs in the NFL this season. That is a matchup that never favors you because of the, the big 300-pounders that they have inside. And behind them, they have linebackers who are physical and can run. When I want to talk about the linebackers. I want to make sure that people know 
the the step up in class from the Giants linebackers to the 49ers linebackers is night and day. Um, I think that's going to be a big difference. Greg Roman to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, like I mean that. It it is serious. Um, Then defending runs, uh, defending quarterback design runs. 49ers didn't have a lot of opportunities this season, but they had they faced 16 design runs according to Sports Info Solutions, and they surrendered three yards per play. They had six tackles for loss on those 16 design runs. I mean, there's they don't make the the mental mistakes to put themselves out of position like a lot of these teams do, even if you have played a team two other times in the season. So um the even the offensive line being their strong point, they're not going to be as athletic. So the 49ers can spread you out when it gets to these passing downs. And their left tackle is as close to a liability as it gets for a strong link or a strong unit like that. And that's where Nick Bosa is going to be. And it just points to, I talked about Jalen Hurts struggling with pressure. It points to a lower scoring game. So in a lower scoring game, is it going to come down to the quarterback? Is it going to come down to Jalen Hurts making more plays than Brock Purdy? Or is it going to come down to the coaching? Is it going to come down to special teams, the kicker? Um, Robbie Gold's been lights out. Uh, I, I, can, I can see how the Eagles would win, obviously. They're, they're the one seed. They're, they're the home team. They had the bye. But I also feel like we've ignored a lot of some of the Eagles' flaws over the second half of the season that have been covered up by weaker opponents. Whereas the 49ers, like they've been winning still in the same manner, but they've been like blowing the doors off a team. So I don't know, man. I, I think the 49ers win here. I think the 49ers win here. And I've been beating myself, myself up over that. I mean, I understand I'm the host of a 49ers podcast. And it's probably some some type of bad business practice to uh, to predict the 49ers would lose. And in a way, this entire week, I've, that's how I felt. I felt like, man, I, I think this is it for the 49ers. I think that they, it, you know, I think it'll be a good game, but I think that this might be the one that gets away from them. But in our conversation, and you know, kind of breaking things down in a little bit more detail, not necessarily looking at another team like a big bag boogeyman and actually looking at what they do and don't do well. I do think the 49ers have a, a path to victory that maybe is not as impossible as it's made out to be even by myself. You know, it's just, they, they've got the ways to be beaten that aren't necessarily alien to the 49ers. The 49ers can, can employ a good ground game when they want to the Eagles just okay at defending the run, just okay at defending the type of run that the 49ers want to do. Eagles secondary outstanding, apparently not that great. Once you start to add motion into the mix, that's all the 49ers do is add motion into the mix. A defense, I mean, you're talking about, like I said, a, an Eagles team that rushed for two, almost 270 yards against the Giants, and the 49ers don't really give up those types of games. And so, you know, can the Eagles completely flip that game plan and maybe only rush for – 100 yards, and then they need Jalen Hurts to throw for 268 yards. It, you know, it's, I feel like the 49ers can put the Eagles in a place that they're not usually used to living. You know, they're, they're, they can make it a little uncomfortable for them, um, whereas I'm not necessarily seeing the Eagles' ability to make the 49ers quite as uncomfortable, um, especially since Brock Purdy's gotten to the mix. Everything seems to just be a little bit more well-rounded, a little bit more adaptable, you know, do you want to run the ball? Do you want to do short stuff? Do you want to push the ball downfield? Uh, it's kind of like we can, you know, we can do all that if you want to. So I don't know, man, I, I, I guess now that I'm saying it, I think maybe the 49ers edge this one out, which is, would be easily their most impressive one of the year, their most impressive win of the Brock Purdy era, the most, you know, to, for this team in this situation to punch another ticket to the Super Bowl seems impractical it seems unattainable you know it just seems unrealistic like how could that be it just seems so odd but you know i guess athletes like to say why not us and so it's like why not us i think the yeah, 49ers I mean, probably have that same mentality it's been daniel jones daniel jones andy all right uh dalton 
Dak Prescott, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, um, what's his name? Titans quarterback. The the dude that they drafted who ben- they benched before Josh Dobbs. Um, Malik uh, Willis. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. And then the the game before that, they were giving up points to freaking um, Jordan Love. Why are we ignoring this? So I'm saying all that to say it's not just Brock Purdy they're facing. It's a step up in class for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers weapons. Like that is a huge deal. And we're talking about the 49ers on third down is what people are going to remember. But this team is very good on first down. And when you are good on first down, you make third downs a lot easier. So now you're in third and five. Now you're in third and four. Now those third and threes you can use motion with Christian McCaffrey. And I think that is going to be a big deal to be able to win on early downs. And that's what I think that the big focus uh, for the 49ers will be. So I, that'll, that'll help neutralize, you know, the Phillies pass rush, but I think they're going to be able to have some success at the second level. And that's where Kittle McCaffrey and even Debo underneath will come into play. Yeah, there is, there is, I think, you know, there is still an element to this 49ers team that I look at like, Man, it, for them to for them to not make the Super Bowl, it, I understand that it's impractical. But when you think of how many good players are on this team and how well the defense is playing, like I understand that there's areas in which they're overmatched and the Eagles are favored. And you know, keep in mind that the Eagles are favored by two and a half points, which is less than a team is favored just as a baseline for being in a home game. So obviously, Vegas isn't convinced that the Eagles are what a lot of people have said they are. Um, it, it just seems like, man, maybe this 49ers defense and, and, and the team as a whole really does have what it takes to go toe-to-toe with any team in the NFL and win. And if, if you think that they can do that, then I, you're not crazy for thinking that they can come out of there with a win. But I'm with you, man. I, I think that uh, maybe you've sold me a little bit and, and just taking a deeper dive into it to record this podcast has sold me a little bit. And maybe the 49ers do go in there and get it done. And it's just – to me, it's just crazy to think about. Not because I would be excited for those guys in the locker room, but just because it's just so unlikely, you know. It really is, man. Um, to think when week when it was week thirteen and Jimmy Garoppolo went down, you're thinking, oh man, like they might make the playoffs, but there's no way they win with this guy under center. And now on the road against the number one seed, the, the game's essentially a coin flip. Like the, the spread is two and a half, but. That's because Philly's at home. And we're, we're talking about the different paths to a victory. James Bradbury, Darius Slay, one of the best, if not the best, cornerback duo in the NFL. 49ers don't have to live outside of the numbers to win. They can have Kittle, McCaffrey, Jennings, Debo, even Ayuk in the slot underneath. So I think that's going to go a long way for them just to know they can win without having to attack the Eagles' strengths. And I don't think that's going to be the same uh, for the Eagles, whether it's offense or defense. And, and that bodes very well for the 49ers. You know, it's, have you seen the movie Inglorious Bastards? Yes. There's, it's that scene at the end where, where Hans Lando is trying to convince them to, you know, basically help him, you know, turn on the, the German high command and all that stuff. And, and, uh, Brad Pitt's character, Aldo Rain, says, look, when I hear a story that's too good to be true, it ain't. And he says, and he, his reply is, I don't know why this popped in my head, but he says, sitting in a chair, I'd say the same thing. And, and 999,999 times out of 1 million, you'd be correct. But in the pages of history, every once in a while, fate reaches out and extends its hand. And that, to me, like is the first <laughs> quote that popped up in my mind when it comes to this 49ers team. Like, Maybe we're watching something that's just a little more special than normal. And maybe that ends Sunday. Maybe it doesn't. But either way, I think it's crazy what's happened and how entertaining this all has been. But I don't know, man. Maybe this team is just destined to go a little bit further, which is just – it's crazy. But hopefully, dude, hopefully we're back on here, you know, next week or the week after talking about the same preview uh, in the Super Bowl. But but we'll see. Um, that would be fun. Who, do you, who wins in the AFC? Oh, I, is that game in Kansas City? It is. The fact that yeah. neither of us know that tells you how much weird it got. Off. 
Yeah, I love the uh, wait. I thought it was yeah, supposed okay. to be in Atlanta only if it was the Bills. It was the Bills, right? And then, but but then you think about yeah, the the this Joe Burrow better get them refunds quote, which is, is perfect. <laughs> That's but right. That's right. It's I mean it's like impossible for me at this. I can't. I just still can't bet against the Chiefs, dude. Like I, I just I, I I think and I'm. You know, I had T. Higgins on my fantasy team all year. I'm a huge believer of the Bengals and the way they play football. But it's uh, – I don't know, man. I got to go to the Chiefs. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Chiefs roll, honestly. I think they win by probably like 26-20. I, I understand that the Bengals have been able to beat the Chiefs, but I just – I don't know, man. I just don't – I don't see it. You know, maybe the ultimate little X factor of this whole thing is maybe Mahomes is – ankle is worse than than we know and you know if, if you can get him off his spot that's when a high ankle sprain is going to kill him you know and that's that you know that's got to be their game plan is to get him out of the pocket and get him moved around because that's what's going to be hard to do if his ankle is is truly a high ankle sprain so i yeah i gotta go against the chiefs and uh you know if we're if we're leaning 49ers then that would put us in a rematch yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. Crazy. Crazy. All right, man. Well, appreciate you, bro. That was a quick a quick hour. Easy it hour. Felt like an easy hour, right? I mean, I don't know. You guys you, you guys tell us. Maybe it wasn't an easy hour. Easy, easy for me, easy for KP, <laughs> whatever. That's all that matters. But uh, appreciate you, man. Thanks for jumping on again. Thanks for uh, letting me leave your name up on the thing just to spite some people. Always and forever, man. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's hope that we get a chance to to knock this out again because uh, we're rolling and it's fun. Keep I know, winning. I know. I know. Seriously, seriously, just do that. Do do the win thing and score the points. But uh, all right, everybody, that's it for us. Appreciate everybody for listening, uh, especially if you've been been listening to us talk ball for over an hour now. I appreciate you guys for sticking around. Um, whether the 49ers win or lose, I'll be back on here uh, after the game to uh, to break it down, to talk about it, and, uh, and you know, we'll see where the vibes are at. But um, keep leaving us positive reviews. Uh, keep passing the word on. Keep doing all those good things that you, you guys already know how to do. Support a podcast. I appreciate it. Um, but all good things must come to an end. And uh, for another episode of Striking Gold, I'm Rob, and we are signing. Out.